Welcome to our podcast, COP26 and the Journey to Change, a podcast brought to you by Visit Scotland's business events team. COP26 is all about change, the vital and necessary change we need to make not just as individuals, but as communities, countries and continents, the global journey of change to address climate change and its impact. In this podcast, we will be discussing how the issues of change and sustainability affect the business events sector, and also how business events can help bring about the change that we need. We will be questioning what we can learn from COP26 and what our industry can do to change itself. And we'll be examining the COP26 programme themes, including energy, nature, youth and science, to find those crucial intersections where business events can make a difference and help achieve the outcomes of COP26 and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. At Visit Scotland, we believe that business events are more than just meetings. We believe business events can be catalysts for social and economic change. As Scotland welcomes COP26, we welcome you to our podcast. Stay tuned, follow for new updates and enjoy. Welcome everyone, the session's about to begin. Please take your seat and make yourself comfortable. Please ensure your tea and coffee is topped up and feel free to shut down your emails and enjoy the session. Today, we'll be discussing World Leaders Summit, the Convention Bureau perspective. To help us in our discussions, we are delighted to be joined by Aileen Crawford, Head of Tourism and Conventions at Glasgow Convention Bureau Glasgow Life, Laurie Scott, Head of Business Marketing at Visit Aberdeenshire, and Karen Tocher, Business Events Manager at Dundee and Angus Convention Bureau. And our guest host is Rory Archibald. Well, it is day one of COP26. It is the World Leaders Summit. And thank you so much to Karen, to Aileen and to Laurie joining us from across Scotland to discuss their perspective and the point of view of sustainability, of COP, of social sustainability um, and the work of the Convention Bureaus in that post-COVID world. And I'm just going to fire right in. Um, as I said, today is day one of COP, which is incredibly exciting, not just for Scotland, but for for the UK, for the world. This is the most important event of our generation to date. It is the most important event taking place on the planet. And throughout this series of podcasts, we are discussing everything we possibly can do about COP26 um, and how that relates to the business events world. But on this lead up to COP26, I think it's quite relevant or quite appropriate to say that we have all been put through the ringer. Um, it's been delayed a year. We've had COVID to deal with for the last year and a half and still dealing with it. So with the convention bureaus, you have played an absolutely incredible role um, or essential role in getting our clients and stakeholders through this process. And I'm curious just to see if there's anything particular, if there's anything significant that your organisations did to support your partners and your clients throughout this time. Aileen, as COP26 is in your city right now, I'm going to start with you. 
It's lovely to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation, Rory. And it's great to be here with Laurie and Karen as well. So yes, indeed, it was quite a transformation of the year we thought 2020 was going to be. It was actually going to be Glasgow's busiest year for conferences. And of course, that wasn't quite how it all transpired. But you know, it really brought us together. The going through something like the, the pandemic and the restrictions that have been in place, we really pulled together as Team Glasgow. We set up the Glasgow Tourism and Events Group. It had the sector leads from hotels, from restaurants, retailers, working alongside the airport and the SEC, been able to work with Visit Scotland and Scottish Enterprise, our city partners for tourism and events really working together as a team to see where we could support industry and support our clients. I think fundamentally it was about just what was needing done and being able to say, how on earth can we help over 200 clients who were booked into Glasgow in 2020, reassess, rebook, postpone, whatever was needed. We just rolled our sleeves up and worked alongside each other for the benefit of the clients and the businesses. Fantastic. It's a, a year, what, a year and a half, maybe over a year and a half of firefighting um, to do that. But, you know, with, I think we all have our stripes now and we can all say that we've got through this. We can get through anything and we'll be those that uh, crowd in our 60s near retirement in a hotel bar somewhere in the world reflecting on this to the younger generation of, oh, you don't know what we went through in, the, in 2020. Karen, have you seen anything similar? I mean, Aileen talked about bringing groups together and collaboration. Have you seen something similar in Dundee? I would concur with all that Aileen has been saying. Communication has really been a top priority for, for, for making this work in terms of trying to support the industry, to support the clients going forward. And I think everybody has to has had to adapt so quickly to the changing environment. There's been there was fears about, you know, what would happen to their events, about cancellation charges. But you know, it was actually really um, heartwarming to see that the clients were just as concerned about the industry as the industry were about the clients in terms of working together to try and make it happen and good for, for everyone involved as well going forward. So there was a lot of decisions that had to take place about having to cancel, postpone, or do we fully embrace virtual, for example? And how do, how will that look again in the future? You know, what does that mean for the future going forward as well? So, um, yes, I, I can certainly, um, you know, agree in terms of it. Everybody pulled together and it was a really good opportunity to really embrace new challenges or new ways of thinking and possibly new opportunities as well. Yeah, 100%. I think this, it's kind of forced our industry a little bit into thinking five or 10 years ahead of where we would have been if, if we had a normal year in 2020. Um, and also that heartache of having to cancel events, both for the um, partners in Dundee who've done so much work to make Dundee that city that is, gets chosen for events, but also for the organisers themselves, a huge amount of work. I think event planners is one of the most stressful jobs in the world. And I, can, I can't imagine the heartache of having to cancel. Laurie, from the average perspective, you opened one of the most exciting international conference centres um, in the world and you had a flurry of incredible events and then COVID happened. So I'd imagine you've got some similar um, stories from Karen uh, and Aileen, but you might also have something just with PNG Live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very much the same with Karen and Aileen in terms of, of how it happened and, and the support network working regionally and locally in the city. But just to go back here, yeah, the, the venue opened after you know years of construction um, and a significant investment from the local authority. 
um, with the, the Offshore Europe uh, event in September, and then a flurry of other activity and obviously uh, sports personality of the year and other events and other entertainment and everything aligned with that as well in conferencing. And then to be shut down in, I guess, what it was March time, um, not too good in terms of us as a destination, trying to get um, our name out there as a new destination and obviously for the P&J team and the significant investment that they made in their conferencing and sales marketing activity, it was um, a bitter blow to yeah. put it mildly, really, um, and just in general terms. But, you know, we moved forward, the venue's back open, and we had floating offshore wind, British Orthopaedics in last week as well, which is significant for a UK association, one of the first UK association events to be back in the UK and up and running and had significant numbers in, in Aberdeen. So it's testament for, for Scotland that that's happening and then obviously for the UK and live events coming back, which is fantastic. Um, the support, but I guess we, we we focused on what we we sat back and had a look, but really realistically, apart from supporting obviously the team and the social venues and sort of rebooking and realigning business that was there, it's more what's the long-term strategy for us as a, as a newer venue and a newer destination. So we really aligned and worked on that over the last year or so, reinventing and rejigging our ambassador program, looking at different ways to destination marketing and how we could take that forward and sort of assets and activity that we were doing as a smaller city. How can we go out there and support this new venue that's been going through, you know, real, real tough times. So much the same as Aileen and Karen in terms of supporting local businesses through our Visit Aberdeenshire network and on the ground there but other like long-term strategy and really, really helping and supporting the venue going forward, which is obviously now the case, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And, you know, I think with the... The two the conferences you mentioned there, and I know there's been other events taking place in, in Dundee and Glasgow as well. I mean, that just shows that there's confidence within the marketplace to come back to face-to-face meetings. We yes, absolutely hybrid is here and it's the, is here to stay. I think there was sometimes a little bit of a fear when COVID first hit that virtual might take over and, and become more um, prevalent than the face-to-face, but that's certainly not been the case. And it's I think it's given us all great confidence that we're all desperate to get uh, back to the face-to-face meeting. I know there's things coming up with PSMA and with ICA in the next couple of months. Um, so we are incredibly excited to see people in 3D. Going back to your comment, I think you've all made this, but you know, Karen, you mentioned about new challenges. Um, and you know, Laura, you mentioned about uh, putting marketing into place and new processes. I think this is one of these situations where we've taken opportunity from from catastrophe and i know that's a horrible thing to say because covid has been devastating to lives as well as businesses but we have to grasp those those areas where we can improve and sustainability is something that's always been there within our industry and we had a podcast very early in the series with ben from marriage travel and he made a really good point you know, sustainability has always been there but it's been thrown right into focus now and i think cop 26 particularly happening in scotland has really helped us as a country to bring that to the forefront because even with COVID happening it is the number one crisis affecting our world so I know that there's a lot of things going on within each of your cities with sustainability but I wonder if can you tell me a little bit more just about how you're working with the partners to ensure that sustainability is being put front and mind um, for the benefit of the visitors and the clients, the associations and um, and the conferences that come to, to your cities. Laurie, why don't we go back to you first this time? Yeah, one of the areas, 
I guess with, with Aberdeen and the energy transition, um, you know, it's a big focus here in the Northeast. And obviously the, the PJ Live is one of the most sustainable venues in the United Kingdom. And what we've, we've done, just looking back again, long-term strategy is, how do we emphasize that? You know, it's obviously working with Journey to Change, but just with organizers, with um, other sort of credentials that everything has to have some sort of sustainability element into it. If it doesn't, it's coming down the road. So where we've changed, I'm just going back to the sort of destination marketing, is we've created um, a sustainable Aberdeen green delegate journey. So what are the touch points? within the sustainable Aberdeen. So, for example, arriving at the airport, what are the credentials that the airport actually has? And what do they have as a business policy and agreed with policy? Then with the, the pickup, you know, along with the coach service companies, then to the, the venue, then going on to other parts, other hotels involved in the city, other social uh, providers, other touch points and other businesses in the city as well, just to sort of showcase the touch points that the delegates may have throughout the whole experience of what that actually means. And how that has become an integral part of our marketing pitch, but also it lies within our bid document and everything that we do. And obviously that changes as we become stronger within that area. And um, as more and more businesses that we are working with are having the green credentials and working with our product development team, our tourism development team, developing their green credentials as well. Another area that we've touched on is we're highlighting more and more the companies that we work with within, so for example, on social experiences or hotels that they have the green tick box and what is the attribute they actually have. So what members or accreditation do they have? And some of them, what do they actually have as their own business as well? Some of the, the privately owned businesses are also creating their own legacy and their own touch points. So it's important for us to emphasize that um, as much as possible. But really what we've done is package that all into sustainable Aberdeen, it's our, what we call our green delegate journey, which is something that we can explain and market and sell more to the customer to give them the reassurance that it's not just a greenwash, we believe in it. Yeah. And, yeah. and it has to match our venue and everything that, that Aberdeen stands for in terms of the energy transition. You know, that greenwashing comment is so important because there are there are organizations out there and there are industries out there that it's kind of a tick box exercise and a PR exercise. Um, but for the client to genuinely believe it, to really get on board with it, it needs to be part of the core values and the core strategy of any destination, any venue, any hotel. And, you know, Laurie makes such good points there that, you know, sometimes we do think about the sustainability within the business events um, industry as being purely the conference element, you know, the teas and coffees, the venue, but actually it is about the transport from the airport. It's about how people travel to your destination, um, what they're doing within the destination, how you're getting them from the venue or the hotels to a social venue, um, and everything else that goes in between. Um, so it's it's so incredibly broad. And Karen and Dundee, you've got quite a, a large remit because you kind of work with the city. You also work with other regional areas. So you might see different point of views when it comes to sustainability. You might see some incredible things that are happening in small, um, slightly more rural towns versus the city of Dundee. Yes, definitely. And again, just concur with, with, with all that Laurie has been saying as well. And I think um, for starting the journey this year, I think in terms of uh, sustainability. Um, so for the area, it's, it's really getting everybody on side um, to, to see the advantages of, of what we're doing. And I think it is for the, you know, the, the global good in terms of how we actually take um, sustainability forward as well. So we have started that. We have one member of the team who is advocating for sustainability and another m- member of the team looking at inclusion. So, so 
certainly up high up on, on our agenda going forward. We are already in discussion with Green Meetings, so we're hoping to ensure that as a destination where Green Meetings are accredited, but also the everybody we're partnering up with um, has that level of accreditation. Um, sustainability policies are much more visible, but again, it's how organizers engage with that and how we engage with the organizers to draw them into the opportunities that that actually presents, um, you know, developing the legacy. It could be leg legacy implications in there that, that they're actually contributing to global changes going forward as well and what that means for them too. So yes, we're, as I say, we're starting that journey for, for ourselves, but, um, you know, we're looking forward to, we're quite excited about taking that forward too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the most important part, and actually sometimes the more difficult part, is starting that journey. Um, and the legacy aspect, 100%. It's sometimes, I mean, I, I mentioned it's about, um, you know, Laurie's comments about it's not just the, the venues, the airports, all those different touch points, but it's also what happens after the conference and what learnings have taken place for both the city and the organisers to then take internationally are equally as important so that it's a constant improving. So thank you very much. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm gasping for a nice latte. So let's go and grab a quick tea or coffee. Please make your way to the foyer, where tea and coffee will be waiting for you. We'll see you back here soon. Don't be late. We won't wait for you. Now, I have been very curious on... For, from all three of you um, on something that you wish you knew before you joined the industry. We've asked a couple of people this. It's obviously fascinating answers. I see a few thinking faces. I'm going to go for the one that looks the most awkward. <laughs> and Laurie, <laughs> what, 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 what do you wish you knew before you joined the industry? Let's think about this, Laurie. <laughs> That you needed a better liver. <laughs> oh, we could do another question if 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 everyone's struggling, because nobody looks very comfortable. <laughs> That's fine. You know, I think it's really. I think it's such a phenomenal question, though, because nobody ever taught me what business events were. So I would love to have actually known that this was a job mm -hmm. because I would have loved to have gone into this much earlier on in my career and I'd kind of fallen into business events yeah, yeah. through venue hire and working with the convention bureau in Glasgow as a venue and being open to this most amazing world of conferences. It was this sort of behind the curtain, what's happening? This is just a phenomenal industry with the most amazing people. So yeah. it would have been really good to have known that that has even existed when I was younger. <laughs> As Aileen says, you don't know behind the scenes how it all works. No, it's you so true. It's a conference at um, said venue or exhibition or trade show or you don't even, that doesn't even compute. It's, um, and how it all works and behind the scenes and who would have thought that, you know, the National Tourist Board is such a big part to play it and, you know, puts money into it in various cities. Yeah. There's, Three cities sitting here in Scotland, such a small destination, putting you know tons of effort and budget into um, something like this, you would have never, never have known. And it's funny, we you start in our office today, and you're explaining travel trade and other parts of my job and team to her. You get it, but then it's the convention bureau side of things, yeah. specifically around about certain aspects of the work. It's kind of like it's a bit difficult to, for people to take on board. When you're explaining it, you think, this is wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> the dark art. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's maybe my families that still don't understand what I do, so... <laughs> I think probably from my perspective, I think there's one point I'm really grateful for is actually going through the hotel, being in the hotel industry, and actually going through the ranks because the way that I worked with Sunny International previously and the way they worked was they put you on a three-year trainee manager program but it wasn't to do management you actually had to learn how to do room service to work in the bar to 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 do housekeeping you know to do maintenance you know all that sort of thing so you actually know everything all the ins and outs of the workings of a business so if you are then putting on a conference you can understand the pressure points around things and be able to ask these sort of questions i think that's probably been my and i always knew when i was doing it is either you go food and beverage or you do front of house or you go conferencing and i was always pulled to a, towards conferencing but like you say you don't know i think it's evolved so much um you know the, the industry's evolved so much that i think now i would love to impart my knowledge onto younger you know younger ones who are maybe coming into the industry yeah. i think there maybe is a need for um an industry-led uh, acknowledgement that there needs to be some sort of educational program i think around business events i think that would actually facilitate um you know the industry moving forward as well i think yeah. that's and that's something i think that ICA are doing through ICA skills however it would be good to actually do that through the universities from through colleges leaving school colleges right through to universities and it is something that i'd be quite keen to to help push forward if that was something yeah. industry needed as well yeah yeah i mean you, you look as well into the association world uh, specifically as something that's quite hard to what you know if you didn't know kind of thing because you know how do you explain that to someone <laughs> the, you know, association market works yeah. and it's politically rotations oh this is so many different yeah. attributes to it and, how it actually ends up coming to a destination that's called, you know, the journey, the five-year journey or whatever it may be. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a wild yeah, it's, I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, it is an absolute beast. You know, when we all started out in this industry, I kind of went to hotels and that's kind of like the level that you knew. You had no idea what was kind of behind the curtain and what else was available. Um, and I think most of us actually stumble into this industry rather, or have done. I think things are changing now where people want to work in events and conferences and business events. Whereas back, yeah. you know, back in yeah. our day, it was a, oh, people do that do they that sounds really fun exactly they're learning on the feet um one one final question is i think i can hear that bell ringing for us to go back into session and i suppose well we've all been working from home the last 18 months but um what's the first thing you do uh when you start working in the morning karen I check emails, then I go and grab my cup of coffee, and then I carry on with the emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got it the wrong oh, no, way round. It should be, be coffee, should be coffee first, first, then emails. Aileen, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Well, I've actually still kept the commute in the diary, getting out really early okay. in the morning, walking around a local park here, and then coming back to switch on the computer has been a really great routine that I want to keep going because there's something yeah. to be said for fresh air and some mindfulness in the morning. Well, I might have to take uh, that tip and integrate it rather than rolling out of bed and just rolling onto the onto the computer. I um, hope my boss doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, Laurie, what about yourself? <laughs> As someone who's always preferred to be in an office environment rather than home, this kind of hits me. Um, and same with, similar to Aileen, I'm like, you know, I'm chomping at the bit to take myself to school to get out, go for a run or go for a walk or just get outside to get that commute or whatever it is break. Otherwise, 
we are very much so like go from bedroom to office yeah absolutely it's a difficult yeah. one or at yeah. the house all day or for a couple of days you well know, you could easily be able to do that yeah. You have to put the effort in to actually get outside now. You have to schedule it, yeah. just as Aileen said. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, the the coffee break has sadly come to an end. Um, we're going back in for the serious stuff. I hear the moderator is absolutely excellent, so it should be a good second half. Um, and so, great. I'll see you in there. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. The next session is about to begin. Please make your way back to the auditorium. <laughs> Now, Aileen, Glasgow, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Dear Green Place. So it's in the name, it's in the name. And I know that your city has such a fantastic reputation for it. I always get the name wrong, so forgive me, but it's um, the Sustainable um, Destination Index or something very similar. But you're fourth in the world, which is an incredible achievement and something that Scotland and the UK are incredibly proud of to have that kind of recognition of a city um, in our borders. So I'm so curious to see what's happened over the last, say, 12, 14, 18 months months, however long it has been since the world came to a stop, um, on your sustainability moves um, with partners and with clients. Indeed, the Global Destination Sustainability Index. That's That's the the one. one. That's the one. (laughs) So Glasgow chose to join in 2016, so it was very much seen as part of our story. We recognised that after medical conferences and engineering conferences, low carbon and energy were the third most popular meetings that were being held in our city. So we wanted to be able to weave that into our narrative about Glasgow and we had to be authentic around what did delivering a sustainable conference really mean. So we looked to this benchmarking exercise because as everyone says, you can't manage what you don't measure. So we realised that being able to be accredited to work with benchmarking, we could really be very open and actually track the journey of where we are and how could we improve and do better. So we've actually considered how we work with our people make Glasgow greener strategy. Mm-hmm. And Glasgow does mean be a green place. And I think we have to take quite a lot of responsibility around that industrial revolution because in the 1760s, it was James Watt wandering on Glasgow Green, who considered inventing the steam condenser and thus began the Industrial Revolution. So Glasgow's story really has gone from steam to green. (laughs) And this is very much where we're looking at (laughs) positioning the city now. So we do have more people working in renewables than many other locations Mm -hmm. in Europe. We have Europe's largest wind farm just on the outskirts of the city. And we have Scottish Power, one of the most renewable and largest um, power producers in Europe headquartered in our city. So there's an awful lot to be said for Glasgow. We needed to be able to articulate that story and that the sustainable message was so important to us. And it's interesting to see where where we've got to and supporting hotel accreditation, as, as my colleagues have mentioned, has been very important to prove to conference organisers and delegates that they are coming to a sustainable destination. But I think that broader message around the UN Sustainable Development Goals is more than just green. And that's where we're looking to the future now is to be able to enable our conference organisers and delegates look at how they deliver a sustainable conference aligned to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. We're going to work with them on that journey through our Go Greener toolkit 
so they can explain to their delegates, their sponsors, their exhibitors, how they have embraced those UN goals to help deliver the most sustainable conference in our city. That's such a good point. That's actually part of my next question. So, well, well thank you. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. And I think Aberdeen, Dundee and Glasgow have all got touch points there with carbon decommissioning, uh, which we're transitioning to, and with renewable energy, um, which is so important. And we are becoming what or we are one of the world's leaders when it does come to um, renewable energy sources um, and, te- and technology and research, which is Great. And I love that comment, Alien, about being authentic. And I think that's so incredibly important when we talk about sustainability so that it's not seen as a tick box exercise. And we are taking this seriously. We're integrating this into everything that we can possibly do and being authentic is so important. But back to the UN SDGs, um, a little bit of a self-plug here if we visit Scotland. But back in March, we launched Journey to Change, which is our new campaign to kind of demonstrate the benefits of business events not purely on economic benefit, but on how they can transform society, how they can change society, how they can make, and it sounds cheesy, but it's still one of my favourites, how we can make a better world um, for tomorrow and for the next generation. And part of that is the UN SDGs and being completely aligned to that. And if we look at the UN SDGs, such as um, no poverty, um, equality, um, gender equality, fair work, um, climate change, um, there are 17 goals there and they all have to work together and they all have to be achieved in order for climate change to be combated or be or to have no more climate change or to reduce it. Um, so if we don't actually act on all 17 of those goals, then we don't get to that end point of being a sustainable world. And so that's why we're trying to incorporate that, because we firmly believe that business events have that power to create enormous change. When you're bringing world leaders together, the greatest scientists in the world together, the greatest corporate thinkers together, then that those are the people that we actually need in order to enact this change and to lobby for change. So face-to-face is critical. So my question is, I promise there's a question here, is, you know, we've been doing this since March. How do you anticipate or have you seen any reaction or even just, you know, with using the UN SDGs and aligning all of those different values for event organisers and for the destination? Do you think that's important for the clients and important for your your individual cities? Karen, I'll, I'll come to you first. Thank you very much, Rory. Definitely, I, I think it's a journey to change carries such a very powerful message. And I think it really reaffirms um, that, you know, what the role and purpose is of business events, that 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 business events communities can connect just to be able to provide those global solutions. Um, and we, we've actually seen with in speaking to our Pathfinders, so our ambassador program, where we work very closely with our universities and our clients, that um, looking at their strategies, they're aligning with the UN's SDGs as well when they're moving forward with not just their strategic plans for their business, but also they are now uh, wanting to align that in everything that they do. So conferences is something that they are looking at. So and it's really just strengthens, I think, our focus and, and how we're actually moving forward as well. So certainly that is something that um, I'm really excited, I think, about the journey to change and that Scotland has taken that role on in terms of reaffirming how we actually move forward. Raw business events um, now plays in moving forward, I think, is so much more strengthened um, in, in that process as well. 
absolutely. I think we've all got a role to play in kind of redefining what business events means for for society. And it's fantastic to hear that ambassadors are incorporating the UN SDGs within their strategies and their policies in the way of, of being an ambassador and attracting conferences. Aileen, what's it like from your perspective and with Glasgow and integrating that with the, the great work you've done with Glasgow makes people healthier? You've, you've already done so much work. What does it mean to you? I think over the last few years when we've really focused on the legacy for conferences, you've cited some of the campaigns that we've looked to see how we can take the subject matter of the conference out with the walls of the convention centre and into the community. It really helps spread that public engagement or public health message. We're looking at where we now go using the UN Sustainable Development Goals because prior to the pandemic, at least 50% of the delegates coming to the city were international. So we're looking to something that already has international understanding and reach. So it is so much easier to communicate and to grasp very quickly. And the, the UN Sustainable Development Goals are very much something that everyone can understand they are so yeah, visible yeah. and they align so well to conferences you can definitely see where you mentioned there the, the gender equality just looking at a panel being able to consider mm -hmm. where your delegates coming from where are they not coming from who's on the panel who isn't represented on the panel and if you focus on those goals actually opens up that conversation and it's something that we can help our conference organizers deliver on so yeah. what you'd say there about journey to change, it is fundamental for the global meetings events industry. As Rory, as you said, we meet today to change tomorrow. And I think our industry will do so well to embrace that because we, we're all very versed on how many delegates and how much economic benefit conferences bring. But the new conversation is the power of good that comes through meeting. Yeah. And I think the fact that the UN Commerce on Climate Change is in person is testament to the power of in-person yeah. meetings. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think Greta said in a, a newspaper several weeks back that global challenges really have to be met by meeting face to face. And I was like, yes, we will take that expert from that part <laughs> and use that in all of our campaigns. But yeah, to your to your point about, you know, everyone recognizes the UN SDGs, I think you're absolutely correct. And it's trying to um take what we say and what business events can do and make it relatable to as many people as possible. And particularly when it comes to governments and showcasing that this is a tool that can be used to progress the policies and values that um, Scotland wants to do, that Glasgow that Dundee, that Aberdeen wants to do, and the rest of the world by transitioning to that um, terminology and language and alignment that all governments will know with, um, I think it's 192 or 185 countries have signed up to the UN SDGs, it all makes it um, incredibly tangible and relevant to them. And that's certainly something that we've seen throughout the industry is that a change of terminology, um, a change of the use of language in order that people can understand it. So Laurie, over to you with Aberdeen. You know, there's been so much development with Aberdeen um, with your ambassador program, which has been building up over the last number of years, you know the UN SDGs journey to change. What does it mean for for Aberdeen? Um, just going back, the, the journey to change. Um, we personally think it's a, it's a great uh, initiative from yourselves to visit Scotland because what it does is uh, well, it elevates um, Scotland's stance in the marketplace. It also elevates um, that it, again, it, it's serious. It's a serious player. And it allows the three of us and the rest of the country and other venues and destinations to work on that, to be part of it, and then to take that opportunity forward. And also for us, 
to actually touch points of relevance and talk about the UN goals and, and to work that into to our pitch and our story. But what it does strategically, it, it harmonizes it all and it sends out a message that, that Scotland is serious as a business destination. And then it allows us that platform and that engagement and creates new opportunity, uh, specifically as well for the destinations like Aberdeen that are kind of new to the market in certain areas and regions. So it, it works extremely well. Great. And I think that's a, that's a really good point. It's something that um, we're trying to do. And I know that um, all of you have been doing for a number of years is that, you know, when you come to trying to say, communicate that message to clients that when you come to Scotland, real things can happen and real change can take place. Um, yes, we have our kilts, we have our bagpipes, we have our whiskey, we have our haggis. Um, and that's always going to be a really core part of who we are as part of our national identity, as part of our culture. And you can come and experience that and those experiences will live for you for the rest of your life. And also we have these incredible connections that we can make within Scotland with our institutions, our research centres, our social enterprises to really create change and to create something that's long lasting and will benefit um, society for tomorrow. Um, we are almost out of time. I've, I'm talking too much. So I've got I've, and one more question for you before we finish up. And it's maybe a slightly more of a quick fire round. So many things have happened over the last 18 months. Is there anything specific that you want to take and continue that maybe hasn't happened before and you want to grasp and you want to continue that going forward? Ailey, I'm going to go for you. Yes, definitely, definitely. We realised that virtual conferences was something our clients were moving towards very quickly. So last year we set up a virtual Glasgow toolkit, a virtual Glasgow hub, which we'd never done before. Weren't really sure how it was going to, to work, but actually we see this as really fundamental in how we position our destination. Of course, we're looking forward to the in-person conferences, but what an amazing opportunity to have a greater reach through hybrid conferences. So the delegates that may never have the opportunity to have attended the in-person conference can now log in and really capture that education. It's democratised education for conferences, which is such a good thing. So we are going to be able to promote Glasgow and Scotland through the virtual experience. And that's something that we've embraced, really enjoyed the team working on that and being able to pull all this amazing online content together. So that's a learning that we're going to take into the future. That's fantastic. You know, we've just spoken about the UN SDGs and that falls beautifully in there because it's reducing inequalities, it's increasing education, it's increasing fairness so that people who perhaps can't afford to travel to a conference, can't get the visa or not allowed, can still access that information. So even that itself, although we've talked about that beforehand as a, as a lovely benefit um, and increasing audience, but actually it's fulfilling some of the UN SDGs um, within itself. Um, so, so thank you. Karen, what about yourself? I think for us, um, sustainability is obviously one area that we're looking at, but inclusion is, an, is another because the virtual element does allow for that, but it's then again making sure that anybody can attend a face-to-face -face meeting as well. So we are um, in the process of working alongside UN's guide to have a look at how we can work on something, a, a pilot program that will allow our destination to become more inclusive and more accessible um, going forward as well. So that is a learning that we've maybe taken in terms of has given us that opportunity, that gap to have a look at what it means to, to, to delegates to, to want to attend if they can, um, you know, face-to-face -face as well. And I think the virtual is, is great, but if they do want to attend face-to-face, -face, 
are we prepared for that? Are we giving them that opportunity um, going forward? So that's certainly a, you know, a project and an initiative that we're working on going forward. And we're quite excited to be partnering up with you in this guide um, and establishing a pilot program. But we'll let you know how, how that does turn out as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic. You know, that's so incredibly important. You know, we, we always sell Scotland as being um, open for all, welcoming to all, and we need to follow through with that to ensure that people from all aspects of society um, are, are find a home in Scotland, be it for um, a conference or to come and visit for leisure or to come and study. Um, so yeah, no, excellent. And Laurie, last but by no means least. I guess one of the areas that really hit home to us despite all the chaos and everything going on and various negatives with around business being lost and, and things like that, was more so the pause for reflection that we could to sort of realign ourselves um, in terms of we knew about the journey to change. We'd spoken to, to you guys about it and presented about it. And was to sort of really think and have our home about how, our, how can we be involved in terms of um, the green delegate journey and sustainable Aberdeen and what are we trying to say what's our proposal but what are the touch points on it and trying to stay away from as we touched on greenwash this is serious it can't just be uh okay like we want to be involved like everyone else and that's I guess the depth of the journey to change program it's like and COP happening in Glasgow it's like we, we need to be serious on this um in terms of sure. invention bureau and how we go about and market and, and sell ourselves um, within that area so yeah. that that really allowed us to rejig and repurpose ourselves now I'm not sure whether we would have done it as quickly and efficiently and thought process in this if we didn't have the downtime or not the downtime but the sort of slow pace and um that we had over the last year to do yeah. that and reflect and just enough time to sort of strategically think about it and align yourself correctly and that, that's part of the, the nature of the beast with our industry is that we have gone from one thing to another, a trade show, to a conference, to um, a familiarisation trip, to an educational trip. And we don't have that time for reflection or we didn't have that time. And we have had that over the last year. And so that's maybe something that we need to build into our diaries going forward, because we, I think there's been some incredible initiatives come out over the last 18 months or so. And we want to ensure that that is a continuation and that trend continues, that we innovate much more regularly and much more frequently and react to what's happening in the world and aligning the business events to, to the best values. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of this podcast. Aileen, Karen and Laurie, thank you so much for joining me. To our listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. We now have a daily podcast throughout all of COP26, covering all of the incredible presidential schedule topics, and we can't wait to welcome you back. Thank you. This brings our session to a close. We hope you've enjoyed it and will join us again next time when we'll be discussing World Leaders Summit, the venue perspective. Thank you for attending today's session. See you soon. <laughs>